You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Good day to you, no matter what time of day it is for you right now. Good day. I hope you've been having a good week thus far. Welcome back to another episode of Verify Phenoms. And today we have with us a very special guest. Oh my goodness. We're going to get this one right today. I'm so excited, y'all. Just even a heads up. This is the second time we try this. But today we have with us JP. JP is a lifestyle coach based in Adelaide, South Australia. JP has been working in the investment advisory advisory industry for over 18 years now nearly two decades eight years of that he's been running his own firm congratulations that's amazing and with the love for health and fitness and wellness he now coaches individuals and businesses on how to optimize their health well-being and performance jp good morning Bress, good afternoon or good evening to you (laughs) how are you buddy very true i am doing well i'm doing well did your team win this weekend we did. We did. The Jets snuck in a win. How good's that? <laughs> that is always a good thing. We always love when our teams win. That gives our Monday going right. Uh, my team's still uh, winless. So, <laughs> oh, I think the there's still more team... time in the season. It's only early days. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> it could be a like long season. Six. Oh, and seven? I don't know. Uh, we might as well just start looking for next year at this point. It's rough. It's rough over uh, here. I'll tell you what, it's it's a it's a jet story I'm familiar with over the last few years. I'm, I'm not holding my I'm, I'm not holding up the flag just yet, but here we go. I, I hear that. All right. So just like last time, I do have some rapid fire questions for you, and they right. are different from the ones I have for you before. So you ready for them? Let's do it. Fire away. All right. What's your ultimate comfort food? Ooh, burgers. Hands down. Absolutely. <laughs> With sweet potato fries, though. Not the, not the normal white potato. Yeah, sweet potato every day of the week. So they have to have the side with it. <sighs> yeah, every day. <laughs> Love it. If you were a board game, if your life were a board game, which one would it be? I've thought about this once before, I don't know why, and Hungry Hungry Hippos because I'm absolutely frantic all the time, like when you're ta- uh-huh. constantly tapping on the little hippo to try and eat the ball, uh, and I'm yeah. constantly eating all the time. So I feel like it's a good blend of chaos and food. Hungry Hungry Hippos. You thought about that before. That's interesting. It came up once before. Can you believe that? Someone asked me what board game I would be, and I wow. was floored. Uh, so I had to had to think about it, but that's I'm a great question. That question. I'm throwing that question away then. Uh, no, no, your... it stumped so many people. Keep it. All right. What is what was your aha moment in your career if you've had one? Oh, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want me to go straight away off the bat? Just go for it. Just go for it. Well, if we want to go really deep, and if you want right. to, you want me to. To delve into this real quick, um, it was the 5th of August last year. So uh, my dad passed away on the 5th of August last year. Mm. I had already started a coaching business about 
four and a bit years before that. In my mind, I knew I wanted to transition out of the firm, the wealth advice firm, and get out of the industry, but I just hadn't strategized how that would happen. But then when dad passed away, for me, that was that massive aha self-reflection moment to go, Mm -hmm. now I need to start focusing more on me and what I value and my family and less on the business because it was all consuming. So to be exact, 5th of August last year. Okay. And that's crazy because my next question, you probably have an answer for this. What's something that one of your parents may have said to you that will always stick with you forever? Um, oh, when I had my final conversation with dad before um, they kind of drugged him up and let him move on out, uh, the final conversation I had with him was around two things that stick with me that he said that I had to do. One was to build my castle for my family and the other one was to make sure I took care of mum. That will Mm. stay with me forever. Mm. If you can control one element, earth, wind, fire, or water, earth, fire, water, or air, excuse me, which one would it be? Oh, that takes it back to Captain Planet from like the early 90s for anyone my age. (laughs) Um, Was water one of them? Yes, it was. Yes, I would do that because then I'll be like, right, I'm going to go for a surf today and I'm going to make the waves this big. (laughs) I'm not even a surfer, but how much fun would that be? Yeah, water. I love that. That's cool. All right. (laughs) And last one, what's one sport you could play for the rest of your life? I got two answers. To that. Right. Uh, this is my over analytical brain coming through. One, golf. I enjoy golf, and it's something I could do till I'm like ninety years old. I don't play that much anymore, but I I would love to keep playing. Um, but for me, like the we'll use the term CrossFit, but that kind of broad high intensity <laughs> fitness. I want to just keep doing that for as long as I possibly can because it tests me mentally, physically, even emotionally sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Golf, yes, uh, but I'd love to just keep up that high-intensity stuff for as long as I possibly can. If you're listening to this right now and you've never done CrossFit, I challenge you to do it. If you think you are in shape, I challenge you to do a CrossFit workout. I did a CrossFit workout and like right after my season ended when I was running, I believe it was cross-country in college. I was like, yeah, I got this. It's going to be easy, blah, blah, blah. I get in there. Boy, JP, let me tell you, they had me laid out like a like a scene. Like, they might as well have drawn around my body. Be like, somebody come pick this man up right now. They were like, yeah, we need like 50 pull-ups and then go run two miles, come back, do 300 sit-ups. I was like, who do you think you're talking to? It's not me. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. Call the ambulance. Uh, it, it, it tell you what, it... it um certainly makes you appreciate uh, where you're at with your level of fitness once you, you hit a pretty mm. intense workout. Um, I think I, what I've always liked at CrossFit, though, has been if you're not in the moment, if you're not fully present and focused on what you're doing, the risk of injury is just so high. You can't 
do any of those workouts without just being focused, which is what I like about it. Because if you're trying to do a weight focused moment, uh, a weight focused movement, but at pace, and you're thinking about something else, you're going to break your back or hurt yourself in some way, shape, or form. So it's it's kind of yeah, it's 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 a good sport. It's a good fun sport. Yeah. And how long have you been doing CrossFit? Eleven years. Eleven years. Okay, yeah. so within nearly the, I would say what right? You've been in the investment advisory industry for about twenty years now, right? Close to that, yep. like two years off. So you were probably about what seven, eight years in by the time you started CrossFit. My math may be off. It's, it's at the end of the day for me. Forgive me if somebody already did that math and they're heavy. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, listen, I was not a math major. All right. What was some of the mindset that that you were able to take from that industry and even starting your own firm to something that's so mentally taxing as CrossFit? Uh, so what did I take away from the professional world into CrossFit or the other way around? Yeah. Uh, no, the professional world into CrossFit because we can definitely take our career and apply it to different. Right. Yeah. Yes. Great question. I would say the two things I took from the professional world into CrossFit, this is a great question, is number one would be understanding your limits and pacing yourself. So within business, it's understanding where your educational, your energy, your actual capacity is and sort of finding the pace at which you can keep that throughout a day, a week, a month, a year. I think that transitions into CrossFit or training in that you've got to find where your physical limits are and then you hit that pace and you can just sit there. If you try to go too hard too early, you'll blow up mm-hmm. and, and the workout's all over in minutes. If you go too slow, you finish it and you're sitting there going, oh, I just wasted that 18-minute workout. So I think I think mm. pace and duration would be something. Um, the other thing I probably took away or transferred from from business into the CrossFit world would be acknowledging the skill sets of others around me. So what I mean by that is when you start working for yourself and you have to lean on other professionals, you, I just I'm not a I'm not a person that tries to be what they call a jack of all trades, a bit of everything. So I would lean on the experts around me, whether they were lawyers or bankers or um, accountants or whatever. And I'd acknowledge that and I'd go, wow, like you're really very good at what you do. Like that's that's really impressive. Or they build an amazing business. That's really impressive. I think when they go into CrossFit, put the ego away and just acknowledge how damn good some of the people are around you and, and listen to them and learn from them. You'll inherently get better at your training as well. Just like in business, if you pack the ego away and you just listen and learn to people around you, you'll be a lot better advisor for it. I see a lot of people, they try to be that jackal of all trades, which sometimes causes them to want to be perfect. Because they feel as if they have to know every single thing. And that can lead to so many things like stress, uh, burnout. You didn't necessarily call it burnout, but you kind of hinted at it um, already. So something that you've experienced, understanding that you have to kind of leverage, but also let go 
and let other people do what they do best, whether it was business, CrossFit. I'm pretty sure you've experienced this and other aspects of life. But what was that first moment for you in your journey, whether it was CrossFit, maybe your own business, your, your job that you've had, anything that you were like, you know what? I should take a step back because I should not be trying to do every single thing. Yeah. Uh, I think probably in the wealth world and in the coaching space, I've had a similar experience where the client was sat there. So in the wealth world, I had a client ask me something around a legal matter. They asked me, could I go through a contract for them and have a look? And I know so many other wealth advisors that think they're a lawyer because we have to do a lot of reading, but it doesn't mean we read contracts well enough to understand where there could be something included that can really stuff that person up if you don't know what you're reading and put it or put something in favor of the person putting the contract in front of them, if you know what I mean. And so I could have, I could have said, yeah, yeah, no problems. Like, I'll go through your contract before you sign it. And if I'd done that and then something had happened as a result of the engagement with that contract that they couldn't get out of or there was an issue or money ended up being owed to them, it would have fallen back on me because I decided to to go, yeah, I can read a, a legal contract, which is not the case. So I, I think that was probably one thing that stood out to me is saying no to a client about trying to proofread a, a contract, which had serious ramifications if I didn't understand it properly. Um, mm. and, the, and, the, and the coaching business is the same. You know, I, I kind of transfer those principles to, to what I'm doing now in that I've had clients talk to me about um, mental health concerns that they have. Mm. And I've done all my mental health first aid, first aid training and, and, and stuff like that, but there's a point you have to go to and then there's a point you have to stop and say, do you know what, like I think we need to get you in front of either a counsellor or a general practitioner like a doctor because if you as a coach try to coach them through some severe mental health problems, depression, anxiety, I just couldn't live with if something happened to them because of a conversation we'd had because I tried mm. to operate outside of my wheelhouse. Mm. Uh, it's just it's just the risk-reward is not there for me. Mm. You know, I think I've noticed one of the hardest words or, yeah, one of the hardest words that people have to say is no. They struggle to say no because they try to take on everything. They try to be that go-to person. And human nature, we want to help people, right? We want to be able to help people. But like you said, sometimes we have to be able to step away and just say, you know what? This just isn't for me. And it's tough. It's tough. What quick advice would you say to somebody that's having an issue saying no? And they just say yes way too much. Mm. It's so easy just to say pack away the ego, but it doesn't give them the answer. I I feel like it's probably a male issue more than female in my experience. I could be off the mark, but I feel like, mm. guys, we struggle with this more. And I think it's that that male ego that we need to just overcome a little bit sometimes. Um, I don't know. I, 
I think one, have the confidence in having a team of people around you that if there's something you know you should say no to but you can't, for me it would have typically been because what do I, who do I tell them to talk to? Who do I get them to go and see? And if you don't have anyone in your wheelhouse, then maybe you just feel obliged to try and resolve the issue yourself. So I don't have a definitive other than I think you just need to take time to just step back from the ego and accept that we don't know everything and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But also think about it from the other person's view. In my experience, they would rather you say, I, I'm not confident giving you that, telling you that, but here's someone that is. Your strength in relationship with that, be- that person will be so much better if you actually mm-hmm. say no to them than if you said yes. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. And the other thing, kind of connecting the dots here, whenever a person has a challenge saying no, and they continuously say yes, they end up adding a lot to their plate, which then leads to pressure. And then sometimes, or even a lot of times, burnout, because now they've turned around and now they have so many different tasks, projects, people that they're trying to work with, they're trying to please. And now they don't have any time for, time for themselves. Have I know for me personally, I'll, I'll start with myself. There was a time that I was probably working like 16 hour days because I just, I say yes way too much. And it got to the point that I was burnt out. I was literally, I think I was sleeping. No, I was working for a new station, sleeping in the closet sometimes because I was just that tired. Wow. I was the definition of burnt out. And that was my aha moment for myself, kind of how I asked you earlier, that it's like, you know what? This needs to stop. I need to take care of myself better and I need to figure out what I need to do within my career in order to take care of me. Because if I can't work, nothing will work for myself mm-hmm. in my future. For yourself, JP, did you ever have a moment that you burnt out and you were just like, this is enough? Because sometimes people go through burnout more than once, but it's not enough to make them quit. Did you have a burnout that was just like, I crashed, this cannot happen again? Yeah, it would be six years ago and it was a combination of multiple stresses and pressures all on at one time. Um, So I had professional pressure. So I was working for a private bank at that time, um, which comes with a lot of pressure to hit certain revenue targets and all this sort of jazz. Uh, So that was kind of on me, Um, just personal life. like That was kind of coming at me from the other side. And then what I continued to do because I was sort of halfway through my CrossFit journey and, and at that time, you'll find for people that are into CrossFit, in the early days, everyone's like, oh, CrossFit, it's life, it's everything. And then eventually as you get old, you just realise that it's not and you just need to calm down. But I was still in that, oh, I love CrossFit kind of mindset. And so I was yeah. training six days a week but like super intense Um, So I ended up giving myself um, adrenal fatigue and burnout just because I was trying to manage all this stuff and wasn't investing in my my recovery uh, well enough. Mm -hmm. And so I got to the point where I just noticed um, 
everything from like sex drive was way off. My sleep was way off. So I'd actually get tired during the day and then get energized at nighttime, which is a, a signal for, for burnout um, mm. and just general health. I just started getting sick and I never get sick. So yeah, that was like probably what, six? Oh no, my son's sick. So that would have to be eight years ago now. Yeah. Hmm. It's crazy that you say that because I recently I had sort of a similar realization recently uh, since I've been boxing, and I was in the gym maybe five, sometimes six days a week, working out two to three hours, and boxing is is taxing. You know, it's not like you know your normal workout where you may be doing intense cardio, sprint interval workouts. Three out of those five to six days, I'm fighting somebody, <laughs> literally fighting somebody. And my body was hurting. And I had to realize, like, you know what? And it was constant, too. Like, I, I haven't really taken intentionally a time off from boxing. It seems like mm -hmm. in, like, eight to nine months now. And then I realized that all athletes, have a grace period they have an off season and that's the time where you kind of relax and you recover and that's when i realized you know what i need that in boxing now but i also need that within my professional life because sometimes we can enter these sprints that we're going hard for let's just say three months and then maybe we need like a month to just relax because we need to give our brain rest essentially are you out of curiosity are you still with me because the video i am no no i'm listening like it's fascinating i'm just trying to i was That's wondering crazy. what oh what okay did, what did you do like what did you do once you had that realization what what have you changed since realizing that yeah great question um also <laughs> i'm gonna keep this in because i at this point we're gonna keep rolling and i love raw stuff we're just gonna keep this so I don't know if you can see me, JP, but I can't see you. So that's why I was talking. I was just like, am I talking to oh. nobody right now? Because I don't see no, anything. No, I am here. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm listening intently. Thank goodness. <laughs> I was like, we're not starting this over again. We're not. No. Okay, cool. I'm here. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I did was um, I took a week off intentionally. And then once I took that week off intentionally, I started to reorganize my schedule to still work out, but with less intensity or less hours. So instead of doing, let's just say two to three hours, five, six days a week, now maybe I'm doing two hours, four days a week, and then I'll do 30 minute sessions, let's just say three extra, like three days a week as well. And so that way I still kind of get that time, but it's not the same intensity. Plus it's less stress on me to have to fight traffic to go downtown to go to the gym all things of that nature um and the other thing is and i think this is gonna be extremely helpful i literally just did this last night i got a uh, ai essentially a virtual assistant to manage my schedule mm. to have the most productivity as possible and it's only been one day but it's been the craziest monday and i'm super excited for how like the next two three months will go using this so that's what i did and that's also what i'm doing right now for that and do you feel any different physically with the change in training structure 
from the last two or three weeks, I would say yes. Um, I haven't lost or gained any weight, which is good because um, I always want to maintain where I am. Mm. I have been super productive. I have gotten a book released or published. Whoa. I finished the ebook. I finished like three projects with work. Uh, this podcast that we're doing, I think I've recorded about nine episodes within that time. And I'm pretty sure there's like something else that I'm getting right now, but it's been super productive. It's crazy. Man, congratulations. So, yeah, hey. Like that's good. that's so cool <laughs> to hear. Like you are crushing it. And, and the fact that you're self-aware enough to realize that one of the anchors or one of the perceived roadblocks for you doing that was just the simple fact that you were overdoing it in the training. And sometimes people don't have that realization until it's too late. So, man, that's awesome. So cool. Hmm. I appreciate that. Speaking of self-awareness, that's something that a person isn't necessarily born with. It's something that Mm. you grow. And self-awareness can help you, one, figure out like, hey, maybe I'm dealing with imposter syndrome right now. Maybe I'm trying to be too perfect. Maybe I'm overthinking because a person can overthink situations but not be aware that they're doing it. A person can take themselves out of an opportunity because they don't think they're good enough for it. They don't have the skills, but they don't realize that they're always doing that. How have you been able to grow your self-awareness? And are you still currently working on your self-awareness now? Yeah, so from a self-awareness perspective, I think the two biggest things for me was uh, really getting um a good understanding and investing time in meditation, believe it or not. So that for me is a really good tool that I can just stop and take probably 10 minutes. That just clarity that it gives me after having meditated, that's the right word, uh, really does help me just increase creativity, increase self-awareness, just by those few moments, you know, that 10, 15 minutes of, of time by self. So I think meditation and adopting that and understanding that's been a really useful tool. Um, but the other ones actually would be by engaging people around me. In other words, I still work with a mentor. Uh, I just finished up with a coach. I will start with someone else when I work out what that next sort of coaching is. And so having a team of people around me to help guide me, challenge me, and even if they notice something in me that's not the normal or the true JP, then I want to be called out on that so that I can stop and go, well, why Why has that happened or why am I acting like that or why am I whatever? So, yeah, for me, meditation and, two, having a team of people in my corner. It's crazy you say that because I was just, just, just having a conversation about meditation today. Uh, one of my friends called me about some thoughts that they've been having that they weren't too happy with. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me my opinion of them because he was saying that he was aware that the thoughts that he was having was in the past, essentially. Mm-hmm. But he still didn't like that he was having them and so i asked him if he ever meditated before and he said yes and so i kind of had to remind him that our thoughts are free-flowing essentially 
whenever we're meditating, a lot of people think that meditation is to clear the mind. When it's not necessarily to clear the mind, but to be aware of what's coming into your mind and then have the ability to choose, do you want to continue those thoughts or do you want to essentially pivot? But a person has to grow within that skill of self-awareness to even be aware that you can get lost in your thought or that you're thinking about X, Y, Z subject and then have the ability to pivot and think about something else or choose not to, right? Because I don't know about you, but myself, I can get lost in my thought. I can be mm-hmm. sitting here looking at a screen of nothing. Next thing you know, 30 minutes goes by and I'm like, man, it's time for my next meeting or it's time to eat something. I'm just, I'm just lost. But, you know, if, if you're not self-aware, a person wouldn't even realize that they are getting lost in that thought, almost like scrolling through social media, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we may be scrolling through social media and not even realize 15 minutes have gone by. Because you're just scrolling. It's just like mindless scrolling. And the second part, uh, oh, that was really the main thing for that. But it was just crazy that you brought that up. But what I wanted to ask you, because a lot of people think that having a mentor is something that only happens when maybe you're in high school or you're in college. Maybe you're just like a recent grad, anything of that nature. But you said that you are still engaging in your mentor now. How long have you had your mentor? Eight years. Eight years. Is that your first mentor? It is. Yeah. Um, nice. It's, it's, you, you, you're right. Like I think when people hear the word coach, they think sports. When they hear mentor, they think high school. Um, mm-hmm. In a previous life, I, I ran a podcast and, and I don't know how, but somehow I managed to convince some serious names in the States to uh, to do an interview with me, I must have just mm-hmm. sweet talked them somehow, and it's really interesting. Like you talk to people that are running like really big businesses, elite athletes, even clients that I had here that were running businesses with like three hundred and sixty five staff. Um, it's not a fluke that every single one of them has four things. Mm-hmm. They have meditation, they have movement, they have a mentor, and they have a coach. Every one of them. Mm. Every one of them. I'm like, this isn't just a fluke now. This is clear evidence that to excel at whatever the heck it is you want to excel at, you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. You need support and guidance, and these are the tools that the best of the best are leaning on. Like people will have multiple coaches Mm -hmm. over various disciplines. They'll have a business coach. They'll have a fitness coach. They'll have a lifestyle coach. You know, they'll have someone different as a mentor to play a different role. You know, they will have daily practices of mindfulness and meditation. Like this stuff used to be a woo-woo, wah-wah. But I think, you know, we're in, what are we, 2023? It's not woo-woo, wah-wah anymore. It's it's fact. Like if you want to Mm -hmm. excel at whatever it is you want to excel at, sports, business, general career path, you need to lean into these tools and you need to do it now. For anybody that may not understand the difference, what is the difference between a coach and a mentor? Yeah, great question. 
I found with a coach, it's more structured engagement and it's more of an educational journey. So they're there to take you on a very specific journey. This is my interpretation, right? So it's structured, it's educational, Mm -hmm. and it's a laid out journey to get you from point A to point B via upskilling you along the way. That's how I interpret the, the engagement of a coach. I've found the engagement with a mentor is going someone that is aspirational. So, sorry, I find inspirational. They want to be aspirational, but someone that's, that you find inspirational that, you know, you you look up to, as if we go back to, you know, terms when you are a kid, you know, I look up to them. Mm-hmm. And they're there to support you, to challenge you, to be a sounding board, just to help you along your journey, whatever that might be with less structure and formality around the education piece. It's more leaning into their experience in that chosen area, business, sports, well-being, family, whatever it might be. So mine, my, my guy, so he used to be the CEO of a private bank. He's run some other businesses. He now is and has been for eight years my sounding board for business decisions I want to make, um, ideas that I have when I'm feeling not as motivated as I was the day, the week, the month before. I use him as that sounding board to go like, why do I feel this way? Like, have you ever had this? What did you do in this moment? Um, And for me, it's been a game changer. Hmm. What's something that your mentor has told you so far over the last six years, I think you said six years, right? Uh, eight years. Eight years. Sorry, off by two. Mm. What is something that your mentors told you that was like an aha transformational moment for you? Huh. It's actually something that is so darn obvious and it's stupid <laughs> that I didn't even know it. Um, <laughs> I wish I had some sort of like amazing uh, answer that would be like, whoa, everyone's going to benefit from this. But this just, it was so obvious. And we was when I was starting up the wealth business and when I started the coaching business as well, we had the same conversation. Uh, and he said, cool, so what's two things? What kind of business are you growing? Is it a lifestyle business? Is it a company? Like what scale do you want to get to? What does it look like? Yeah, okay, cool, good point, like, I haven't really thought that far ahead. I need to start doing that. Talk to me about revenue. What income do you want to derive? Okay. And how are you going to get there? Good point. I'm like, how would I start a wealth firm? I had no idea how much money I wanted to earn and I didn't even reverse engineer it to work out how I was going to get there. I just literally launched this business and went, all right, let's make some money and work with some clients. So it was such a simple thing that I just hadn't, I'd got so caught up in the establishment of a business, the branding of the business, who I was going to service, how I was going to service them, that I'd not actually stopped to go, what do I need to earn to eat and how am I going to get there with the business model that I've just put forwards? So yeah, something so simple as that, I just needed to stop and go, ooh, strategy time. And, I, and if I hadn't have had that conversation with him, it might have been another six months before I'd had the realisation, which could have been six months too late. 
it's always the most basic questions or like the most basic answers that have the most impact. And like you said, it's, sometimes it's not like, oh my gosh, it's going to be this in-depth question or answer. No, something basic I, for myself. One, it was not even necessarily like an answer, <clears throat> but my mentor said that you already have everything or know everything that you need to do. You just need to do it on a daily basis because a lot of people, they struggle with consistency. And so I need to literally just do it every single day. And that was the only thing that mattered. That was the base. That was like the base of my 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 pyramid, the, the foundation of my house. I just need to do that one specific thing every single day and not overcomplicate it. That's so real. So real. I couldn't see. Go ahead. I th- it sounds like you. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, how long have you been working with the okay, mentor, and, and is it is it a professional thing? Is it business? Like, yeah. So, uh, what year is this? Twenty twenty three. Three years. Three years. Yeah, three years. Um, professional, professional, definitely. Awesome. And man. so good. It's it's been great. It's been a great journey thus far. Um, and yeah, it doesn't, like you said, it's very, it's, it's informal and it doesn't require much, but the little nuggets that I pick up, I run with. I just, I, it's like a 40 yard dash. I'm gone. It's great. Um, <laughs> I had to, I have to ask you wrapping up here. Um, I have one last question for you. What would you say success was to you 10 years ago and what is success to you now? Yeah, awesome. It's like the backbone of all my presentations and workshops, so hopefully I've got an answer here. Um, success, 10, <laughs> <laughs> success 10 years ago for me was so heavily influenced by financial it was how I dressed, where we lived, what we drove, where we holidayed, how much I earned. It, the, the term success for me 10 years ago was so monetarily focused. And that was a complete byproduct of the environment I was surrounding myself with. You know, I was, was I a private bank at that point, private bank or stockbroking? But I was in an environment that was just money, 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 working with people with a lot of money. And so everything was money. And even though that didn't align with my values, I was just overwhelmed by overwhelmed by external um, influence. And so 10 years ago, that was completely what is it, what was it about. It's an image that I use in my presentations of me in this kind of pinstripe suit with the whole kind of Wolf of Wall Street two-tone shirt going on. And, like, I I look back at it and, like, to me, like, that was me portraying success. Fast forward to where I am today and the evolution that I've gone through, it's around experiences, it's around family, it's around health and well-being. And to me, success is financial, is a component of it. It has to be, like, it costs money to live but it's it's this much a tiny amount of a of a huge huge definition of of success so for me now it's i don't care what people think about how i look or how i dress i just want to have 
those experiences, provide for my family, do good things, earn okay money. And that to me now is the definition of, of success for sure. Good. And what last piece of advice could you give somebody today that's maybe dealing with perfectionism? Maybe they they've been stuck in their head a lot. Maybe they've been dealing with burnout or imposter syndrome. You can choose any last one of them. What parting advice would you give to them today? I think a couple of things that would be one. Acknowledge that imposter syndrome is real. Everyone gets it. Doesn't matter where they sit on the food chain. Like Richard Branson could walk into a room full of elite athletes, global politicians, the biggest business leaders in the world, and even someone like him would have a moment of going, oof, whoa, this is this is a room full of really important people like there's that element for everyone of imposter syndrome and it's real. Acknowledge it, but understand that wherever you are, wherever you've been invited to, whatever room you're in, whatever opportunity you have, you've got there through your own expertise, experience, personality, people value you and you deserve to be there. So understand that if you feel that element of imposter syndrome, like I had it when I started the wealth business. I was like, I'm completely out of my depth here. What am I doing? Like I shouldn't be able to do this. It was just me doubting myself. It was imposter syndrome. Um, the last one would just I would just say around, the last tip would be just around burnout or just fatigue. And I just want everyone to remember, guys, we're, you know, it's, it's the old saying, right? We're, we're playing the long game here. Like, don't go out and try and crush it for 12 months and shoot the lights out because unless you're 90 years old, I'd say most people listening to this, you've got another good 50 or 60 or 70 years in your journey. Like slow down, tap the brake, enjoy the journey, have experiences and remember to play the long game. No one's going to remember what you did in 12 months, but people are going to remember what you did over 50 years. That would be my parting words. And it sounds like the perfect, perfect little timer went off in the bank for that. <laughs> um, so, Don't you love how you can Jay, hang up your phone Jay. now from your watch? Technology. <laughs> oh, man. So, JP, how, lastly, how can people find you and how can they support you? Yeah, so uh, I'm most active on LinkedIn, so just look for John Pearl, P-U-R-L, uh, or my website's where all my blogs and stuff are, so just johnpearl.com. Um, sign up there, you'll get all my weekly emails, and you know, hopefully I'm planning to get over to the States in August next year, so maybe we can all nice. connect and collaborate and do something cool together. That would be amazing. That would be really cool. Well, y'all, this has been another episode of Verify Phenoms. If you found some value in this episode, if you picked up at least one gem, just go ahead and share this out to three people because somebody definitely needs to hear this message today. I'm your host, Phenom, and I will catch you all on the very next episode. See you. <laughs>